0: Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy is committed to offering high-quality, evidence-based education, training, workshops, and consultation for mental health professionals. I am Juniper Owens, the Academy Director and your host for today's conversation. Welcome! I'm Juniper Owens, Director and Lead Faculty. And I'm Laurel Sim stewart Faculty and Content Developer at the Academy of Integrative Mental Health.
1: We recently sat down with Nina Keeler and we had a conversation about her work as a trauma specialist and how she supports mental health professionals in trauma work. Nina also shares an effective practice for resourcing and grounding into the
0: body near the end of the show. So stay tuned. But before we get into the conversation, I want to share with you a unique offering just for our listeners and colleagues. The Academy is launching our featured course called Free core Integrative. If you're a mental health professional interested in becoming more competent in integrative modalities and treatment, we invite you to learn more about this unique certification program. After successfully building an integrative mental health group practice, with now four locations, my business partner and colleague, Nicole Sartini-C. and I decided to help other mental health professionals get started as an integrative practitioner. We have spent years of fine-tuning our model, trial and error, conducting laborious research, attending trainings and conferences, as well as analyzing positive longitudinal client results so you don't have to. The three cores of integrative practice for mental health professionals stands for movement, mindfulness, and nutrition, which are the top three most evidence-based integrative modalities that you can incorporate within your scope of practice. In this certification training, you will become well-versed in how nutrition, movement, and mindfulness can help improve client outcomes and improve your experience as a mental health provider. As an adjunct faculty, I designed the course similar to other online courses I've developed at the graduate level of study. The course is evidence-based and offers a multimedia-based learning experience to enhance the quality of education you will receive. Here at the Academy, we also believe that personal development is just as important as professional development. At the end of each module, we offer guided practices for your own self-care, and that you can also use with clients. The course comes complete with assessment and evaluation tools, handouts for your clients, and recommendations based on current evidence and top practitioners in the field. If you are interested in learning more, please check out www.academyimh.com. To celebrate the launch of this course, we are offering our listeners $100 off the course for the next three months. Please use the code Integrative Conversations to receive your discount. Celebrating the launch of this course, we're offering our listeners $100 off for the next three months. So use the code INTEGRATIVECONVERSATIONS CONVERSATIONS to receive your discount.
1: Now, let's dive into our conversation on a mind body approach to trauma with Nina Keeler.
0: Our guest today is Nina Keeler. Nina received her Master of Science from Kansas State University with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. During her time in grad school, she fell in love with play therapy. She completed a play therapy certification program through KC Play Therapy Institute. At the beginning of her career, she worked as a social services case manager and had the honor of working with many children and families suffering from trauma and attachment challenges. This led her on a journey to learn about trauma and attachment. She completed Dr. Dan Hughes' Level 1 Didactic Developmental Psychotherapy Training in Maine. She then went on to complete the Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which is EMDR training, and the Integrative Attachment Trauma Protocol for children through the Attachment and Trauma Center of Nebraska. She recently completed a certificate program in somatic experiencing and is now a somatic experiencing practitioner. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, let's dive right in and start with. Uh, getting to know more about you as a trauma specialist. And we know that you have a lot of diverse experience working with trauma in various modalities, and I know you're excited to try new ones. What is your working definition of trauma and the main ways that you approach working with trauma with your clients? Um, So my working definition that
2: I give to all of my clients is is pretty much is anything that overwhelms the nervous system. So anything that comes at them that's too much, too soon and too fast. Um, So it doesn't give them time to orient, process or respond in a way that they feel like is appropriate. And so then we get this stuck energy. Um, that doesn't get to move through the system. And so that's usually how I um, respond or work with trauma is from a nervous system perspective and really trying to bring regulation back into the system because we have some stuck energy in one of the sympathetic or parasympathetic systems. And so helping clients to move through some of that stuck energy.
0: And When you're talking about stuck energy and moving through that, what does that look like in your work right now? Uh, so I use a lot of
2: somatic experiencing, so that's kind of the foundation to what I I do, and that's a body-based modality. Um, so it's a lot of movement and imagery and sensations and working with it, working with trauma in that way. It's more subcortical. So when we think of cortical levels of the brain, we're thinking about things that are thoughts and memories and things we can put into words. And subcortical is more the sensory parts of the brain, um, and so we're working with a lot of sensations and movements. So for instance. Uh, with one of my clients, you may see me say, you know, well, let's just notice what's happening in the body right now. Um, what do you notice? Oh, I noticed a little bit of tingling in my arms. Okay, so we're just going to be with that and let that tingling happen. And let's see what happens next. Oh, I started to think about this memory, you know, and so we'll kind of just let the body lead us into where we want to go.
1: I, I love that. I think that's so um, interesting. And I'm curious with Thinking about trauma in that way, you know, that's not, I know how you started working with trauma as a therapist. So, how has that felt for you to move from maybe the ways that you used to address trauma with your clients into addressing it and thinking about it in this new way? Because it sounds like that's a whole reconceptualization
2: mm-hmm. of an
1: idea that happened for you, probably in some ways, I would guess.
2: Yeah, when you say that, when you ask that question, the first thing in my mind is, there's a whole new world, you know, the mermaid. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it opened up a whole thing for me. It was like when I was studying in the somatic experiencing training, um, I knew a lot about the brain and how the brain worked. I've been following Bruce Perry and Dan Siegel and, you know, learning a lot about that and and trying to really, you know, understand that at a, a really deep level. But then when the body came in, it was like that was the missing piece for me. It was like uh, things started just it was almost kind of like I had this experience with things just clicking into place in my brain um, and I'm getting a deeper understanding. And so it's it's really, I was embodying the work instead of just kind of knowing it in my brain, I was starting to understand it in my body. Um, and so then it was different. And then I started to see stuff in clients that I would have been like, oh, they just got a little twitch in their arm. Okay, that's, you know, that's interesting. But I wouldn't known what to do with it. Um, I wouldn't have known how to address it in the therapy room. Um, so then it opened up this whole new level of work and just this little slight movement of the head could take us right into a trauma vortex, you know, Um, and just the power of that. And so it was like this, it was just like, I could do a lot more um, and understand a lot more when I started to understand the body.
1: And I love, I love hearing about that from your perspective as a mental health professional, just because I think we're always trying to find ways to do more for our clients, right? And to help them heal better. And I'm curious also if there's anything that you've noticed from your client's perspective, maybe coming in and not knowing anything about S (laughs) E. And and I'm I'm kind of I'm wondering if maybe they think, oh, this is a little strange to start out. And then there's a moment where they really buy into it or maybe the experience is is not that at all. Maybe it's something vastly different. And I'm sure it depends on the person, but what have you noticed about your clients and how they are responding to all of that?
2: Uh, The clients who don't seek me out specifically for, like I have clients who seek me out specifically for Essie, but the clients who just kind of find me on a general directory or, you know, they hear about me um, from a friend or something like that. Uh, and I did come in. I usually will talk to them in the very beginning about how I like to work and I won't use SE per se. I'll say, you know, I like to work with the body. So what that means is this. Um, and I try to give them an explanation because I don't think I was doing that in the beginning. And it was really jarring for clients because they'll be talking and I'm like, well, let me gently interrupt you. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're noticing in your body. And they are like, I don't know why you keep talking about the body. And I'm like, well, that's how I work. I don't know how to work any other way. So, um, so I started to really understand the importance of really setting the framework from the beginning, from the initial consult. And when I did that, and even the clients who did I didn't do that with, and we kind of work through the, you know, just the rough spots of them kind of getting on board with it, and they'll say, Oh, this is so weird, like I don't know why, you know, what's happening, but they like it's working, so let's keep going, you know. So they call it weird, but then they say it's working, so let's keep going. So that's usually the experience I'll get, is they will see the the results.
0: Right. Almost like the proof's in the pudding. Like if it's, if it's working, they're noticing something different, they'll go with it, which is like a common EMDR go with it. Um, but yeah. And, and I'm curious too. like, Oh my, you can tell we're all therapists. I'm curious. I wonder anyhow. Um, (laughs) but I was thinking, how does this translate into the, our times now where most of us are doing telehealth or, you know, those type of sessions, how are you noticing that translating into your work with clients? Um, it has helped me to
2: hone my skills a little bit differently. So um, I'm very visual. Like, so you know, there's usually two ways you can do SE. Either, you know, well, you can do it both ways. But usually, people are more visual, so they will see the body and kind of sense it that way. Or they will resonate with it, so they will use their nervous system to kind of feel what's happening in your client's nervous system. I'm a more visual, so I like to see, and I can usually see movements or see a, a, a different alignments and stuff in the body. Um, and so it's really helped me to hone my res- being able to resonate and really use my nervous system in the sessions um, and really notice what's happening inside of me to be able to work with my clients. Um, I think for the clients, it has not felt any different for them. Um, I, I have one client that is more like, do you need to see my whole body? Like she just wants to make sure she's getting the full experience. Um I think, well, I'll take that back. I think the one thing I'm missing is, is I had just brought touch into my SE practice. And so we're just doing self-touch now um, where I'm guiding them and being able to support themselves in a supportive way with touch, but I'm not be able to actually put hands on clients. And so that's been a little bit of a disappointment for me of just wanting to really hone that skill and really bring that into my practice. Um, So there's, you know, I guess ups and downs, pros and cons, of I'm growing, but I'm also feeling like I'm having to kind of let one piece go a little bit.
0: Yes. And I'm sure our clients feel that same way. And when we were talking earlier, uh, you had mentioned that you're also bringing in some other elements to the work with telehealth. And I'm curious of hearing more about that.
2: Yeah. So um, I just been really trying to be creative, I guess, because That's what I don't like the idea of being in four walls and being locked down to a chair and uh, just doing that all day. Like that drives me insane. So I was like, okay, what else can we do? How can we be creative? How can we really look at what people's gifts and talents are and really kind of push into those? Because if people are finding joy um, in finding, you know, just a way to kind of express themselves and that can be really healing for them. Um, So I've been looking at like horticultural therapy and culinary arts and seeing how we can use that as a way to assist um, in the healing. And so uh, we've been talking about, like I had, I've been doing a lot of inner work, uh, inner child work with people um, and having them get plants that represent the little parts of them and taking care of those plants and nurturing those plants and seeing what comes up in that process. So we've been, you know, playing around with that a little bit. Um, And then I'm just recently got trained in or looked at it just a small snippet of culinary arts. And so I'm trying to think about, okay, how can I incorporate this and whose kitchen can I get into and who might let me do it? And, you know, just trying to see who might want to be my guinea pig in my caseload. (laughs)
1: That's so cool. I love that. Do you have you noticed that any of that new um, that newness? coincides well or works well with your SC foundation and any of those horticulture or culinary pieces really fit well with the SE model?
2: Yeah, I do. I find that anything fits well with the SE model because we're always using our body. You know, we're always the, you know, either disconnected from our body or in our body and not quite sure how to process all that's going on in our body. Um, I, I have a mentor that says, you know, our mind is in our body. Just want you to know that, you know, like just bringing that back to the forefront of like it's not floating above your body like it's actually in your body. Um, And so I like that, you know, so I find that it's just helpful to help people have a different experience in their body Um, and not just this talking back and forth. But this experience of just being able to be in their body in a different way um, can be really healing.
0: Hmm. Cool. And are your clients into it or have you brought any of that other stuff in yet? Like, Hey, let's set up in the kitchen or let's set up out outside in the garden today. Have you tried that yet? Yeah, we've done the horticultural piece.
2: Um, and so I, I haven't actually like did the planning, like she did the planning and stuff without me, um, but she did it. And so we were able to process it in our session and stuff like that, but I haven't actually done anything per se with a client. Um, but I've given them, you know, different exercises and things to do in between the time that we have seen each other, and then that we'll come back and process what they noticed and what we continue to notice and those kinds of things. Are they into it? They're into it. They're into it. They're doing it. They're doing <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing it. They're looking at me side eyed but they're doing
0: it. They trust you. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've established a good level of trust and relationship mm-hmm. and rapport, and they're like, all right, you know, we. <laughs> We'll do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll say, let's just experiment. Let's just see what happens. Like, I love to say that. Let's be curious and let's experiment. I don't know what's going to happen, but let's just get out there and try it. And if it don't work, we'll move on to something else.
1: But let's try. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
0: And, and, and also speaking of the other, a lot of the work that you do with trauma, uh, you also offer online classes and you, it seems like you're really passionate about working with trauma professionals Mm -hmm. And we'd love to hear more about uh, that work, maybe even speaking on the Trauma Treatment Collective that Mm -hmm. you run.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I started the Trauma Treatment Collective because I came out of a community of trauma treatment professionals. Um, So I got my degree in Kansas and then I moved back home to Virginia. And when I moved back home to Virginia, I was very intentional about being in a facility or an agency that was passionate about trauma. Like I didn't want to go to a place that was like, yeah, we're trauma informed or, yeah, we're working to be trauma informed or we don't even know, you know, we're not even we don't even know what trauma is. Um, I was very passionate. I was very focused on being in a place where people were passionate about it because I really wanted to kind of hone in and really push hard um, in that direction. Um, So I got to be I got to find a job that was um, at the Attachment and Trauma Institute in Richmond, Virginia, which is an agency um, directed to treating in-home clients. Um, And working with kids coming out of the hospitalization and maintaining them in the home. And the the owner there was very passionate about trauma. She's who introduced me to somatic experiencing. Um, And so being in that community was really pivotal for me in my career, in my confidence, in my ability to do the work. Um, And I just found so many good things that came out of that. So then when I left Virginia, I didn't have that community anymore. um, And I really missed it. And it was something that I was like, I really want that back. I want to be around people who are passionate about trauma, but we're military. And so we move a lot. And so me creating that community somewhere else was going to be, me create it and then leave it, me create it and then leave it. So I was like, wait a minute, I can do this online. So I just started the Facebook group um, and people started joining and connecting. And then I was like, oh, well, if people are interested, maybe I can start offering a course. And so then the course kind of spawned out of that. And then consults spawned out of that. And so it's continued to grow until now we have a membership. Um, So it's like this idea that started with just wanting to connect with other trauma treatment professionals. And then, of course, anytime we connect, I want to support. I want people to grow. I want them to do really good work. Um, because I know it's hard work and without that support and that growth, it, it can, you know, it can just kind of eat you up. So then that's kind of how it just continued to grow is just being able to support and help people develop their skills. And I didn't have that. I kind of meandered through and ran into this person and ran into that person, but just having a place you can come and ask a question or get support or get direction. I think it's really awesome to have.
0: Mm-hmm. and can you explain more about what it would be like to be a member of the trauma treatment collective because I know that I found you with your um via YouTube because you have excellent YouTube channels that I I was using for my own professional development um utilizing and so I'm curious about what it would be like to be in the collective as a member.
2: Yeah, so um I guess I'll say there's a couple of different ways you can be a part of the community. So we have a Facebook group that's free. Anybody can join that and just be a part and hang out and ask questions and share resources and all of that kind of thing. Um, then there's also an Instagram page where people follow on Instagram if you're an Instagram lover and you can just hang out and be there. Um, then there's the consult. So if you actually want some actual support um, with a case or something like that, you can utilize that. Um, and it's individual right now. Um, And then it goes to the courses and then the courses are there. You can utilize those at any time. And then the membership is more of a a more smaller group of people um, who are really wanting kind of more hands-on support or really wanting to be connected in a a deeper kind of way. Um, And so with the membership, you have four times that we meet a a month. And so one time a week where we'll do a mini training or group consult, um, some kind of self-care activity, and then also a, a mastermind.
0: Yeah. I'm in. That sounds, that sounds That sounds amazing.
1: I love it. And we'll make sure to get the links for the Facebook and the Instagram so we can put it in the show notes so that people can check it out too. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I will say the membership closes and opens uh, at different times just so we can, once we open, because it takes so much energy to open it. Um, and focus on the new members and getting them situated. And then so we close it so we can really focus on people um, and and get away from you know trying to uh, promote it and that kind of thing. Um, so it's opening on July 27th and then they'll stay open until August 2nd and then we'll close it again and then we'll probably open it again maybe next year. Um, I don't know if we'll end up opening it again this year, but um, we'll see how this one goes,
1: yeah. Very cool. Um, I'm curious, since you are working with so many mental health professionals and you running, running the collective, are there any pieces that you've noticed that when people come to you as mental health professionals, like wanting to be trauma informed are just like, how are missing, how can Mm -hmm. mental health professionals practice the best we can from a trauma-informed lens, especially right now, considering all of the worldwide trauma, I think that a lot of us are experiencing this like larger macro societal trauma. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, on that? For me, um, it's going to be
2: maybe not the most popular answer, but it's, it's truly what I believe is, is that I feel like the piece that's missing, um, is our own work, our own, our own stuff. Um, and so I feel like that is the piece, um, we come, we want all the interventions. We want all the, you know, the tools, the tricks, the hacks, the this, the that. Um, and I think a lot of all of the trainings and stuff you see is all about like, oh, work with this particular issue, work with this particular issue. And I'm like, you can have all the interventions you ever wanted to have. Um, but if we are not regulated, if we're not in a good place, then it's going to hit and miss, you know, it's not going to be as successful or as productive as we want it to be. Um, So I really do think us doing our own work and having our own experience with healing um, is one of the big pieces. Now, it's not the only thing we have to do. We also have to have the interventions and the training, the skills and the knowledge, but I feel like it is the foundational piece um, that we can build off of and it makes more sense when we have that in place. And then we're able to build off of that. And we continue to do that. Like I continue to do my own individual work because I know the more I, the deeper I go in my own healing, the further I'll be able to take my clients. Um, But if I stop and I'm like, Oh, I'm good. Then I, I put on blinders um, and I can't see the stuff in my clients that I don't want to see in myself. And so I think that's a big piece.
0: I, I, we absolutely agree, especially operating from an integrative perspective. And as as the years roll by that we've been practicing, it's just so apparent how important our presence is and specifically working with trauma, our presence as um, a regulated nervous system and ability to hold that space. And I know that my most incredible healing with a practitioner was someone that you could tell had done their own work for like 20 years, mm-hmm. just like her, the presence is incredible. And I had no, my body could re- respond to that. And I think that exactly. you nailed it with that. That's why you work. That's why you're the trauma, uh, expert, right? Like and work <laughs> professionals, uh, anything more to say about that? No, I
2: think that's my number one thing. Um, is it's just making sure we, we do the work and take good care of ourselves. Um, well, I'll say this, Peter living has a great quote. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's like 80 some percent of the work that we do in trauma healing is about relationship and the other 20 is intervention. Um, Or some, the numbers may be off a little bit, but basically it's a big chunk of it is all about relationship. And like you said, that holding and that ability to create a container. um, And the other part is about how we do that, you know? So I think that's really, for me, profound.
0: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And maybe this would be an awesome time to, so part of the the work that we're doing here with the Academy of Integrative Mental Health is exactly what you're talking about. This is why we really resonate with you as a guest and somebody, hopefully a partner uh, in the future, maybe. Um, But anyway, like is that the embodying and in doing our own work. So we think personal and professional development are equal. Um, And so we like to offer an embodiment practice or something to, to do at everything. um, So at, at the end of every podcast or training, and so I'm like, I'm wondering what intervention or guided practice you could bring for us today about maybe a five-minute practice, and Laurel and I will do it with you. Yeah, awesome, great. I'm all about, you know,
2: always getting more regulation in the system. So um, the one I thought about doing with you guys was a visual orientation.
0: Keep going, so sorry. That's Okay. It, it. We're going to pause really quick. Okay. And we're going to go back to what you were talking about. So the one I'd like to do is called visual
2: orientation, and basically, it is uh, using our eyes. Um, and uh, being able to take in something that's pleasant in our environment. Um, And that could be anything pretty much. Um, It could be, I mean, sometimes I've done it and it's been a a dust bunny um, or a crack in the wall to something that's super beautiful, like a picture or painting or, you know, some fresh cut flowers or something like that. So I like to teach my clients this because you can do it anywhere um, and you can do it anytime and you can do it very quietly. No one has to know what you're doing and you can kind of just take care of yourself in that way. So the way I do describe it as I'll have you uh, find something in your space that's visually orient- you know, visually pleasant for you right now. And then once you find that thing, you're going to really work in your peripheral and not outside of your peripheral. So you're really going to work with with just what's in your peripheral vision. Um, and then your eyes are, you know, it's going to be curious about something else. So then you let your eyes kind of go to that next thing and your head and your neck kind of follows. And then your eyes may go to something else and your head and your neck may follow. And you're just going to take a visual journey around your space as your eyes and your your, uh, neck and head kind of go. But you want to do it slow. So you really want to kind of slow everything down and really kind of take in things and really allow your body to track what's happening. And as you notice things, just notice what's happening in your body as you're noticing things and being curious about things in your eyes are kind of leading you around. And now that you've seen a couple of things, I want you to go back to what's most pleasant. What was most pleasant in your journey? And I want you to kind of rest there for a little bit. And I want you just to Notice as you take that thing in, maybe there's some thoughts or some different sensations that happen in your body. Maybe your breath gets a little bit deeper or sore, your core softens. Just really allow yourself to rest here and really take that pleasant thing in and notice what happens in your body as you do that. Yeah, so I've noticed a little bit of movement, a little bit of settling And as long as it's pleasant, you can stay here as long as you want to. But if some unpleasant things start coming in, then you can kind of move around a little bit and reorient yourself. But as long as it's pleasant, just let yourself rest here and really kind of enjoy it. And it could take you to a memory of like, oh, this reminds me of the beach or the this or the that, um, and you can kind of go on that journey as well of just remembering some pleasant things. So when you're ready, we can kind of come back together and talk a little bit about what that was like for you guys.
0: Hmm. Well, I'll start by sharing that we're recording in my office and my visual field led me to my messy desk and I had more anxiety about it than I normally do. I was taking it in in a different way. And so um, but I also noticed that I was able to gently allow myself to move to something else. And Mm -hmm. it's like I felt it. It made me uncomfortable and then I moved on. And that's not a normal practice for me. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: I noticed that the thing that I landed on initially, I I almost before you even said to start going on the journey, like my my eye and my body line wanted to move somewhere else almost right away. So it's, I don't know, it's just interesting. Maybe the thing that I thought was going to be pleasant wasn't actually what my body wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was a really, uh, an interesting observation that happened internally for me while you were walking us through that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once you guys found the thing that was pleasant, were you able to track any settling or deeper breaths or any kind of regulation pieces that came in when you went back to the thing, once you kind of had went around the journey for a little bit?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I did.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I felt my whole body like want to sort of move Mm -hmm. into rest instead of alertness. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I definitely experienced that for sure.
2: The last thing I'll say about this activity is, is what I'll tell clients is, is I'll talk a little. This will give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about the polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve um, and that little bit of head and neck movement really allows the vagus nerve to be activated, which opens up our social engagement system, um, which tells our body that we're safe. You know, so it's giving that, that body just a little bit of signal of, hey, you know, you're safe because you're turning your head and your neck. And it, tells, it also allows me to do a little bit of psychoeducation on when we're in threat mode, we turn our whole shoulder, all this locks up. You know, if somebody's coming at me, I'm going to turn my whole body to prepare to take that in. Whereas if I'm just moving my head in my neck, that's telling my system that we're, we're cool, you know, we're fine, we're okay. Um, so it's just, you know, telling, helping them to notice just that little bit of difference in when I'm in threat mode versus when I'm in, in a safe place and then also learning to give their body that signal that we're safe. Because a lot of times my clients will say um, that their body is, uh, you know, like they know up in their head that they're safe, but their body is still, you know, kind of in threat mode. Um, and I'll say, well, this is a way that you can kind of bring those two systems together and practicing that and sending the body to signal that it's safe. It's OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think I noticed two different things with that. One was the like noticing the body. So mm-hmm. Laurel mentioned, oh, yeah, my body wanted that. And mm-hmm. I can see this being a really good intervention or kind of technique to use to work with increasing that language. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding and awareness. And then also, uh, I don't know if I'm going to use this word correctly. So I know this is an S E word because I've had this done when I got my own work in S E, but titrate. So I noticed that I was able to feel the uncomfortable feeling, but then move to the uncomfortable feeling pretty seamlessly. So I saw kind of at least two things, Mm -hmm. if not more with that very simple exercise.
2: Yeah, that's actually pendulation, so swinging back and forth between the two. Um, Titration is just little bits of work, like little bits of activation and letting that settle and little bits of activation. But, yeah, that pendulation is really important in trauma treatment. We talk about in SE that it's really the healing is in that pendulation of that ability to move back and forth in between the two because clients usually get stuck. Either I want to stay in happy land or I want to stay in trauma vortex Um, And so that ability to move back and forth in between them is where the healing is really, that's kind of where it's at.
1: And I love how powerful, but subtle that is Mm -hmm. because I think so many, myself included, trust me, people want to do the big thing and have it be the big thing and have this huge moment. And, And I often, it is about the subtle steps and the subtle learning experiences and even just the difference learning this the difference between I move my whole body and I just move my head and neck you know that's such a nuance that people probably aren't aware of but helping them that bring them that bring them to their conscious awareness about it is powerful I mean it's it really is
2: Yeah, and I think that's a lot. I mean, I find that I talk to my clients a lot about we are not looking for those big sweeping changes. Like I am not interested in hearing about how like you went from a 10 in anxiety to a one. If you went from a 10 to a 9.5, we're excited and we're celebrating that because what we're doing is is slowly titrating the body to a one. Um, And that's going to be more sustainable than these big sweeping changes because the body's going to be like, I don't even know how we got over here but we're going back to what we know. Um, and so then we we just swing right on back over to just being at a 10 and anxiety or whatever it is. Um, and so I really try to help clients to celebrate those small steps and really take those in and embody those because then by the time we get to a one, the body's like, oh, I know how we got here. We can stay here. We're cool, we're fine, everybody's okay. You know, and the body will let you, and the system will let you stay at a one for way longer than it will if we just jump over to a one.
1: that makes so much sense. I know. It just, it really does. And I'm glad
0: we got to experience it. So we all got a little moment of healing and um, regulation during Mm -hmm. the session. Thank you so much. And I am aware of our time and there's something I kind of like to finish with is, and I I often do this in my sessions because it just gives us a moment to process and digest what we've heard. There's so much information. Thank you, Nina, Mm -hmm. for that. And Um, So maybe if we just take a moment and process and just maybe scan through and if there's anything like a nugget or anything else that's alive for you to share with us in these last final minutes of our conversation today, uh, we'd like to allow space for that. And if it feels complete, then it feels complete. So we'll give a moment and.
2: I feel like for me, it's complete, but I just want to thank you guys and and just uh, let you guys know that I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It's been like talking to two colleagues and just chatting about trauma. And so I have appreciated that. I just feel like I really want to honor that.
0: And, And same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so, so much for being here and using your time to help further all of this and and educate us and oh, we're just so appreciative. Thank you.
0: And we will be obviously uh linking to your website the courses and the collective and the different social media groups. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything else that you would like we'll obviously be uh linking those as well. But thank you so much. You're I welcome. love being with our colleagues. It's nice that we can do this over yeah. state lines and maybe even other boundaries like that. So uh, thank you so much. You're welcome.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for our conversation today. We hope you found it beneficial for your personal and professional development. For more info about the Academy, or to start growing in your own practice by jumping right into a course today, check out our website at www.academyimh.com. If you have any feedback about the podcast, thoughts, questions, or you just want to say, hey, please email us at info If you really like this podcast, please subscribe and like it on the platform you're currently listening.